Welcome back into the Illini Enquirer podcast, and it is Monday, so that means another Mondays with Mike, Mike Carpenter joining hey. us. And I got to be honest with you, Carp is uh, Carp is dedicated to this and making this Mondays to Mike <laughs> um, with Mike happen because he's on the way back from Michigan, right? You and uh, you and the wife went up there. Yeah, went up there for our second anniversary. It's a long weekend, heading back right now and passing through. Grand Rapids and it's gorgeous up there. The leaves are turning um, and, you know, fall has sprung and the bears are three and oh, and <laughs> Illinois football is what, 26 days away. Yeah. So it, it feels like everything's kind of coming together as in and, and playoff baseball. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget. And the NBA finals. It is, it's an embarrassment of riches in terms of being a sports fan right now. And I, I just think about what's coming up the next week, you know, every single night there's going to be five to six hours worth of, content to watch and a lot of it is the playoffs so it's it's exciting yeah usually i'm like a spring guy like i feel like the spring sports schedule because you have the ncaa tournament which was one of the most fun the nba playoffs if you're in the NHL, it's there. Uh, the NFL draft, which is hope time for everybody, uh, usually for us Bears fans especially. Um, and you yeah. have the start of baseball, which everyone's hopeful, right? Um, but this this weird fall, Carp, is after all of the n- no sports for, what, three, four, five months, now we get all of these sports at the same time, and we deserve this. And even though there's no fans, even though we can't go to the games – it's it's a sense of normalcy and a sense of just escape, man. It, it's so fun watching the Bears have this dumb season. It's so fun watching Jimmy Butler make the NBA Finals and watch LeBron continue to just be LeBron. Uh, and it's fun watching even some SEC games this weekend. It felt real for college football now that the SEC is involved. Yeah, how about that Mike Leach strikes? <laughs> uh, it's it, it was a, a crazy weekend on a lot of different fronts, but I think you hit it where you said we deserve this. And the other part of that, too, is not being able to go to the stadium. So when Illinois football and basketball get, get going and not being able to go to Memorial Stadium or State Farm Center, there is something weird about that. But the way that we've been consuming sports the last two months have sort of prepared me for that. I, I already figured that I wouldn't be going to games this year. But as we go year by year, you realize that the, uh, the television production – it's every bit as good. I haven't watched any of these games and felt like, you know, something's missing. This is weird. Yeah. There's not a crowd there. And really the quality of the product and specifically the NFL that it's only in week three. And this is high level stuff. It makes you wonder a couple of things. One, how much of a difference would there be in terms of these results if fans were in the stands anyways? And two, do you need a preseason? Because I, I have not noticed the drop off that I was kind of expecting for this first month of NFL. Yeah. No, I, I do got to say, like, I usually think the NFL is the most popular sport, and I get it because any week, any team can win. I, I just think there's such a, a – there's a few bad teams and a few great teams, right? But there is very little difference between each team each week, so you have so many games that are close. Uh, and I, I think that's why a lot of people love it. Um, it's football at the highest level. But I, I always thought the NBA is just a higher quality of play for its sport. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like I haven't missed the fans in the NFL. I think the NBA is the one where I think we do miss it a little bit, Cart, because, I mean, the Heat just had one of the most amazing runs and they don't have their fans there to celebrate it. Or the Lakers, I know like we just think of it as Team LeBron rather than the Lakers, but this is a franchise that hasn't been to the NBA Finals in 10 years, even though we talk about them all the time. They haven't been past, what, the second right. round in 10 years. So um, those are huge moments that uh, it stinks that those fan bases couldn't share with them live. 
Um, but I agree with you. I think I think the level of play in, in both those sports and even MLB. I know uh, the the hitting maybe hasn't been up to par, but the the, the pitching has been ridiculous and it was a fun season it was a weird season but I think all these sports deserve a lot of credit for not only being able to pull this off especially baseball with how it rebounded but also the quality of play has been great yeah and I'm happy to eat crow about baseball specifically I remember the week that the Marlins and then I think it was the next week that the Cardinals were basically out of commission and fell like seven eight games behind every other team in terms of games played and thinking this ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And yet here we are in a position where every league, well, NBA, Major League Baseball, uh, NHL, which I feel bad. I'm not a hockey fan. I, I don't know if that got wrapped up or not. But regardless, the fact that we got that far with those three leagues and the NFL looks to be running very smoothly. I don't know the last time a player tested positive um, in any of the 32 teams. The so, Fal- the AJ Terrell uh, you know, from the Falcons, right, was, was I think yeah, the first yeah. one. Um, and, and thinking, too, about you mentioned the Heat fans, for example, uh, whoever they are, because I remember back when LeBron was there, and uh, it was easy to kind of hate on the LeBron Heat and thinking, come on, Miami fans, what do they really care? No, they do. And they don't get experienced this like they would in a normal postseason. And I think as an Illini fan, kind of preparing ourselves for if, in fact, the basketball team goes off and has a special year or if football somehow finds their way to a 5-3 and three record and we can't share it live, that does suck. But on the other hand, I'm trying to view it through this sort of, okay, once in a lifetime, unique season made all the more unique and thinking what it would be like to tell that story 20, 30 years down the road that, oh yeah, I remember the 2021 Alumni basketball team made a final four run and that happened to be during the pandemic. Would I rather be able to share in it live in the stadium? Yes. But I do think that this offers... Uh, some cool fodder for when we get to reminisce about hopefully successful seasons. Yeah, and I think when you think about a carpet, it'll stink because some of those memories of whether you went to a Rose Bowl or you went to the Final Four and we're at that practice, like you won't get those memories. And those are memories fans have forever. Yeah. But you will have something else to cheer for in a really hard time in the world, in our country. And uh, I think that's great. And I think it's uh, the Big Ten you mentioned, I think has learned a lot from baseball. I think they've learned a lot from these other sports and, and hopefully they can get off the ground. All right, Carp, we, we got to dive in. I got a couple of line topics I want to dive into with you, including a big recruiting uh, decision coming up this week for Illinois and just how to kind of how we put that in perspective. Also, Illinois football starting training camp in earnest on Wednesday, starting full pads. And uh, also Bears. We, we got to talk to Bears. Uh, we'll do that next on of the Online Enquirer podcast. All right, Carp, this Bears season is so dumb. It, it is it is so <laughs> dumb right now. Uh, how they are 3-0 and is ridiculous. They're probably the worst 3-0 and team I've seen in a long time. But they are 3-0. and And they've done this. Like they've, they, they've, how, how they came out of this with having to replace your quarterback because he's not good enough, getting the decision that we all wanted, which was Nick Foles, yet still being 3-0 and and having a really good chance at the playoffs because you've started this. Um, what, what a start to the year, Carp. We've got to thank our schedule. We've got to thank our opponents for this. But I also I, I think Matt Nagy's done a great job of his team not quitting. The players have executed uh, when these other teams have coughed it up. But, man, this is, you know, we're so used to the Bears being on the other side of this. That this has been a wild ride, and, and I'm in for it. I have no expectations the rest of the year, and that's what kind of makes this fun. 
I'm with you on the no expectations, though. They did rise a little bit yesterday after you saw that offense operate with Nick Foles. Now, I do understand it was Trubisky that led you back against the Lions, and that was an aberration. And for all we know, the second half yesterday with Nick Foles was an aberration, too. But I think you hit on something. Matt Nagy, I think the regular season record now is, let's see here, 8-12, 23-12 is his regular season record. And we all know what happened in that playoff game. They were good enough to win it, and I won't, I won't go back into that. But thinking about these th- first three years with him and how we judged him, often because of Trubisky's lack of success. And I think that as fans, it's been difficult to separate how much of this is on Nagy, how much of this is on Pace, how much is on Trubisky. And what I'm going to kind of glean from yesterday's game is seeing what Nick Foles and that offense look like for an entire half, and, and really a half where he kind of threw five touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there was the Allen Robinson touchdown that wasn't, and I don't agree with overturning it, but at the same time, I understand why that was called. Great there defensive was the, play. Oh, yeah. And, and there was the catch that should have been from um, Anthony Miller and then three actual touchdowns. So I'm thinking, well, wait a second. We actually have someone that can do the intermediate deep throws, and even though he doesn't have the scrambling ability, that didn't seem to have any negative effect whatsoever. So I, I think that expectations have risen a bit because the defense is sort of the unsung hero yesterday with the way they played in the second half. I keep waiting for that switch to turn on where they can do that for 60 full minutes. If they can, then I, I see no reason why this team can't win 10, maybe 11 games if everything goes right. And that's that's a good place to be. Yeah, this kind of reminds me, Carp, of it could be like the 2001 season with Dick Jerome. I was just thinking that. Yep, yeah, yep. Where, where you're a, you're a solid team, right? I think we all thought that mm-hmm. could be a solid team. Jim Miller was the quarterback, and you know you have a really good defense and, and a couple playmakers, right? And but you still mm-hmm. get a little bit of luck that turns you from a what nine and seven team to a thirteen and three team. And I felt like that was that team. And with the schedule you have this year of being bad last year, I think it sets up to where like 2001, you're playing the Browns who weren't very good, right? And you take care of their mistakes and the 49ers who weren't very good and you take advantage of their mistakes. It's got a little bit of that feel to it. And I I think Foles does change some things. And I think Nagy all along has wanted Foles. I think how quickly he turned on the Mitch thing. Um, Not that this is a quick turn, but I think they wanted to give him every shot. And they just saw, okay, he misses that deep throw. He still can't read a zone. Those are two things we need. You got to have an NFL starting quarterback. And Foles just stabilizes some things. I think he gives uh, the people around him just a lot more confidence because he's a he's an adult quarterback back there. It just feels like you, you got a quarterback in year four that you drafted number two that was still on training wheels. And while this team has other issues, the number one issue was quarterback. And they went and got Nick Foles because of the experience in the system, because he stabilizes things. Um, and he wasn't as big of a threat to, to Mitch if Mitch was going to make that leap. Uh, but Mitch certainly didn't. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a little bit more excitement with Nick Foles behind center. But it still feels like, you know, you're not the Packers level. You've seen what the Packers have done so far. You're, oh, yeah. you're, you're not an elite team. Uh, but, you, thinking- but it doesn't mean you can't finish with the best record in your division or, or compete for it. True. Yeah. And and thinking about um, this team, and I'm glad you made the 0-1 comp because that probably was a 9-17, but that 13-3 run had some luck to it. But at the same time, I look at these first three games, and the Falcons are sort of, if there are two teams that are choke artists in the NFL, they would be number one and number two. And 
the other side of it, I'm thinking, well, wait a second. You're the first team, this is according to the uh, Elias Sports Bureau, the first team to ever come back from two 16-plus point deficits in the fourth quarter in NFL history. And I, I think that as much as we know the Falcons' history in the last couple of years with choking games, as much as we know the Lions are going to lie in, the credit still needs to be given to this this team. Yeah. And specifically, you know, we we're going to be talking about Nick Foles for much of the rest of the season. And I mentioned earlier the defense and waiting for that switch to, uh, to turn on. And I think I still think they can. You know, I, I still think that that defense can be a top 10 defense. Statistically, I think that they are in many different areas. But the other thing uh, with the NFL that we've seen so far this year, I do think one effect of the lack of fans has been offenses. We've seen this across the board. How many different games are going over the line that Vegas sets? Offenses have been terrific so far this season. And it's nice to know that going into a matchup, you aren't asking that defense to be what they were two years ago. You're asking them to give up 24 or fewer points. I think they can do that more often than not. And then you trust that Nick Foles is going to make the occasional throw that he needs to and not make the mistakes that are going to uh, keep you, uh, or I should say put you in a position where you're down 16, 17 points. That will put them in position, especially given the schedule, to get those 10, 11 wins. And I know it gets tough as you get into the weeks eight and nine. I got to be honest, though, I'm just looking forward to the uh, opportunity of maybe playing Tom Brady and the Bucks as a 4-0 team and essentially becoming the game of the week in the NFL. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, and I, I, I think the two things I'm really encouraged about, I know I've mentioned it already, but uh, one is the running game and Matt Nagy's commitment to it. I think the offensive line, James Daniels has been awesome so far this year, uh, but I think the offensive line has certainly improved, and I think they can prove that in the offseason too. But it's Matt Nagy's play calling. I think he called the place to score 40-plus points yesterday. You know, yep. like I thought he had the right game plan. And while I don't know if, you know, Matt Nagy's won a coach of the year, so I don't know if he's a top tier coach, but I think he's a competent coach. And and I didn't give up on that last year just because he was able to kind of keep this thing together. Um, now, Ryan Pace, the GM, I think he, I've always said that I don't think he's bad at his job, but I don't think he's great at his job either. And he obviously missed on the quarterback, but I got to give him credit too that they, they found a guy that can stabilize it and they got him for several years and an affordable deal. And long term, Carp, the Bears can still make moves around them to, to remain competitive because they're an older team um so i'm just very interested to see where this all goes and how we'll be talking about this team in in say two months yeah and i think the long-term future that that's something that as a fan i'm willing to just wait on that conversation until this season's over i mean when you're three you know it's easy for me to say that if they were one and two i think our conversation would be very different yeah they aren't that far from really being zero and three but on the other hand, eventually becomes a trend where if you're winning those close games like they were two years ago, that's just what you do. And it's the antithesis of a team like the Falcons where you know when that game got within probably 10 points when it was 26-16 that Atlanta fans were thinking, oh, my God, here we go. And somehow that trickled down to that sideline. Those players felt it. And I think it would have been even worse had there been fans in that stadium. You would have heard the audible groans and, oh, my God, here we go again. I, I do wonder, though, with Matt Nagy, he makes that move yesterday, and as bad as that interception was, I, I go to the bathroom, I come back, I did not anticipate he was going to make that change. No. I still didn't think it was going to happen that early, and I wonder how much of that had to be liberating for him to say, you know what, screw it, I've tried, yeah. it's not working. And and taking some ownership over that team 
in making that change. And when that change was made, we all know that was it. There's no going back and they confirmed it today. Yeah, no, there's, there's no way of going back. And I think that's why they started with Mitch, which is a little bit of a roll of the dice. Uh, but you could tell Matt Nagy's wanted to make that move. I think they, they, they made that move for Foles for a reason. Uh, but without the schedule. But, yeah, you don't go back from that. Um, and uh, we'll see where Mitch is next year. But uh, we'll see. I think we'll know a lot more about them next week against the Colts, and then you get the Bucks after that. So we'll learn a lot more with two road games here coming up as well, including one on a Thursday night, I uh, believe, against the Bucks. So, all right, Carp, I want to ask you two things about uh, Illinois before we let you go and get back to the road. Uh, Illinois football started training camp basically today. They're going to start back in pads on wednesday and and for us in the media it's it's a lot different to cover because usually we can give you guys that are fans such great insight into what we see who who looks good who doesn't or how the quarterbacks look um this year we don't get that and we're just basically relying on what illinois tells us so i guess what what do you hope to learn or what are you interested to learn of what we can learn uh from this odd pandemic year training camp yeah, I've always been macro. I think you know that yeah. better than, than most. And when it comes to football preseason, it's a lot different for me than entering a basketball season because it's easier to it's just easier to keep track of, you know, 10, 11, 12 guys than it is 85. And with this football team, what is exciting is that there are enough names that are known, enough impact players, and even a Marquez Beeson, whose name I to be quite honest, kind of forgotten about over the last few weeks. And I see that come across Twitter today and think, all right, we got him. That's going to be fun to watch. I think if there's one thing to learn, though, it is essentially which position groups uh, are we most concerned about? And I think defensive line is one that stands out because of the lack of proven commodities there. Mm -hmm. And whatever those position groups are, what does the two deep look like? How much depth is there? Uh, How many different impact players have been brought in via transfer? Because I know Lovey has sort of been going the, you know, the optimistic view would be to say the Kansas State route by bringing in these guys that have one or two years of eligibility. But for the layman like myself, that is more just, okay, line up and show me on the field. There are still so many unknowns, uh, specifically a defensive line where I'm thinking, okay, if you could tell me right now that this is going to be a serviceable defensive line, right? I think we got something, but because of that lack of proven commodities there and, and knowing what, uh, knowing how much this defense is predicated on getting a rush from your front four, and we know that all the way back to Lovey being with the Bears, that is the one thing that keeps me from getting overly excited. So to flip it back to you, yeah. if we were, if you were able to convince me that hey, there's actually a surprising amount of depth at D line, and here are the impact guys that I think have a shot this year, I think that could make me say, oh, okay, I, I see the four or five one path. Yeah, my, my issue is, um, you know, I think they have some depth, Carp, because of what they've added in the transfer portal. Like, Roderick Perry might be your best defensive tackle or maybe defensive lineman next year. Uh, that was a huge addition late. Uh, Chinadu Adagu helps you out. But um, I think you're counting on a lot of unknowns. I mean, even Isaiah Gay, who I'm higher on than a lot of people, I thought he was your most impactful defensive lineman late in the year. Um, he's got to show it o- over a huge sample size in-, in Big Ten play. So that is my biggest concern uh, for Illinois. But is Keith Randolph ready in his redshirt freshman year? Is Seth Coleman in his redshirt? I-, I usually don't count on defensive linemen or offensive linemen in their second years. Um, sure. It's just usually they're physically not ready, don't have enough experience. So I do think, like, of all the positions, Carp, 
I was thinking about this yesterday as I was thinking about talking with you. I'm like, which position group has the chance or is most likely to take a step back, right? And I, I would think quarterback doesn't, right? Because Brandon Peters is here for a second year. He's got better options. Yeah, you know what you have. Yeah. Running back, I know most people would say they do, but I can tell you internally they don't, that they think Chase Brown and Mike Epstein can be better than what they had last year. Um, which I know to most fans would be odd because Reggie Corbin's number 12 all-time in rushing and Dre Brown was awesome last year. Uh, tight end, they're obviously better with Luke Ford and Daniel Matsorbebe and Daniel Barker was great last year. Wide receiver, they're much deeper and they're older. And they got and both Lovey and Rod Smith have mentioned Kyron Cumby, which is a name, like unprovoked. Both of them have mentioned him and he's the fastest guy in the team. Offensive line, I think they'll be better, Carp. They're just a year older, and the guys who are filling in behind, like Virtus Brown and Jordan Slaughter, a year older. Linebacker, you lose Dele Harding, but I still think you're pretty good there. So maybe you take a step back, but I, I don't think they're taking a huge step back. I think the secondary is much better, deeper. Uh, you get Beeson back. And kicker and punter, you have one of the best duos in the league. So defensive lines, oh, yeah. I, to, to make a long story short, I was long-winded there, but I feel like defensive line is the one you do. But I didn't think the defensive line was great last year. It's just your best guy, Batiku, who's great early in the year, not great second half of the year. And probably Jamal Milan is probably the biggest loss there. Um, but still, I think that group still, I don't know if I would say it's definitely going to be better this year. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it tough is to try to – predict what's going to happen when we just haven't seen some of these guys and then for you all actually covering it you won't be able to see it during your training camp either so when we line up on i forget if it's october 24th or 25th whatever the date against wisconsin it's going to be exciting in that okay well maybe these guys will all be pleasant surprises or even if they hit on 70 percent of these transfers that have come in 50 percent of them then you probably have something I, i think what gives me pause is for example, the FPI rankings that came out, I think just yesterday from ESPN, and you're right there with Purdue, which is not unexpected. I think if we would have predicted what the FPI rankings would have or what, you know, Athlon or Lindy's, I think is the other one, they all would probably say about the same thing. But the optimist in me says this year more than most years for Illini football has the potential to be a pleasant surprise. And given the weirdness of 2020, the delayed start to the yeah. season, the fact that you did catch a break in getting Rutgers, even though he got Ohio State as another crossover game. Okay, yeah, I take all these those into consideration and think four and four sounds about right. And I don't need much more than that to leave the season thinking that was pretty good and, and potentially something to build on. Yeah. Um, I, the, the interesting part is we won't have those warm-up games to kind of figure these guys out or, or the practices right. that we get to see to kind of figure these guys out. So maybe that's a good thing for Illinois and they sneak up on people, but uh, it's going to be an interesting, in, in a month we get uh, Illinois football, 26 days from today, they kick off in Same. Madison. All right, Carp, before I let you go, uh, usually when we were on Tay and Jay, this would be all week, all we'd be chatting about. <laughs> and I got to be honest with you, I don't miss that part of like, I got to no, say the same no. thing over and over again about this recruit and what it means and all that. So it's nice that in podcast form, you can just say it once and people can hear it if they want to. Um, so mm-hmm. Jordan Nesbitt, a top 100 player, tough kid. Some people have compared to Jordan Goodwin, but he can handle the ball maybe a little bit more. And Goodwin's gone on to have a great uh, career at SLU. And speaking of SLU, Illinois is in the final three for Nesbitt with SLU and Memphis. It's an interesting group to be in there, Carp. But I was just, I, I mentioned this to you before we got on here. 
Like it just feels different when we talk about these, right? Because I, there's so much interest in Illini fans and you can see it on our board. They're into this and it's the most important thing on their minds. But for me, it just feels like this is much different than it felt two years ago, four years ago, six years ago when we talked about these big recruits because it feels like we're actually focused on the current program more than who's going to be the guy in two or three years. If I think back to the John Gross era, and we did this exercise probably five, six times a year, you know, five or six different names of this could be the one, and it never really came to pass. And in a way, it was kind of unfair to John Gross because there was some bad luck mixed in there with, of course, Cliffmas <laughs> and the Quentin Snyder thing all happening in the span of 12 hours. And this is for someone that locked up Malcolm Hill and Kendrick Nunn as one of the first things he did. And I know those weren't fully his recruits, but nonetheless, that was a pretty good start for a new coach. But I, I go back to 0405 and that Final Four run. They did lock in Sean Pruitt, I think, early that season. Or it would have been the year before, mm-hmm. beating Michigan State in that recruiting race. But as you got into the 0405 season, and it was Chester Frazier and Jamar Smith, and I don't know if like Rich Semrau was a sophomore in high school, all these names that didn't really do anything for you, but it didn't matter. Because you were number one and you figure, well, they'll figure it out, right? right? Now, I do think the difference, though, is that Underwood has already locked in a lot of top-level talent, which Bruce Weber didn't really do. So you have precedent that he it will eventually get the guys that he needs to. And even though it has been a bit of a dry spell since they got Luke Good, Jordan Nesbitt would give me a sense that they can finish this class strong. And they still have, I think, another couple slots open for it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I'm noticing, too, is that there seems to be this sort of prototype of a player that Underwood goes for. Anywhere between 6'5 and 6'8, very versatile. The idea of positionless basketball, which I know has been kind of popularized by Golden State, but you're kind of seeing it come into play here for Illinois and and the way that that roster looks long-term. So just knowing the precedent that's been set by Underwood, he tends to close the deal for the guys that matter. Uh, it, that's why I think it just takes all the pressure off. I talked about fan pressure back mm-hmm. in the day. That's not there right now because you're winning games and you plan on winning a lot of games in the next four or five years. Yeah, and it just feels like the future of the program doesn't lie on this one recruit. Like it did no. for Io, right? I mean, it did for all those guys. And then Io says yes, and then you find a guy like Andres Felice and, and Alan Griffin. And that's the other part. I think the staff – will find good talent, but they already have a nucleus, right? They, they have a nucleus together, and you feel like with Adam Miller and Andre Curbelo, they have those guys. I think the biggest need in this class is a big man to replace Kofi, and we'll see if they can do that. But you still feel like they can find those other guards because they've been able to do that. But if you do end Nesbitt, I, I think the difference we're talking about here is, boy, we're loading up again. Right, it's not just like oh the the program's going to fall off. It's that hey, right. if we had Nesbit with Goody and then you had a Mac Etienne, we could remain a top three program based on our our talent. Like, like you're not talking about going from three to ten though. You're talking about okay, if we don't get Nesbit, we don't find a guy of that quality. Maybe we fall to five eventually, but even then, you still have good guard play. So it's just a different feel that you know you'd have if Illinois missed on this guy it's all done, right? Like, oh, here's this program, and and we're never going to get back. Uh, Underwood's already set that floor, it feels like. You know, and I think that's why the Corbello and then the Miller signing, which, I mean, that happened, what, four or five months ago when we were wondering if Iowa was or was not going to go pro, and then Miller eventually does commit to Illinois or sign, I should say, his letter of intent. 
And knowing that you were locked up with those guys, even after Io and Trent and Kofi, and I'm going to throw DeMonte in there because I think that's going to be a sizable loss too. You feel like you can weather that storm. Uh, also, it's goody. It's not good. Yes, it's goody. Yeah. Okay. All right. Even better. And then the other thing too, and this, I'm trying to proceed with caution, but it's hard not to get excited. And I only say this because of the Alex Legion thing, because I remember distinctly the stories coming out of camp about how Legion was just taking over practice. And we all remember it was a pretty, pretty nondescript era at Illinois. But thinking about the impact of Granderson and Hutchison and Specifically, I think Granderson's the one right now that is getting, I'm hearing comps to Duncan Robinson's path from D3 to D1 and that's, trying to Hutcherson. caution myself. Yeah, it's, it's Hutcherson that's getting that. I think that <laughs> comp is, thing, is, yes. is a little much. Like I'm like, hey, can we let him play a little bit? Can we let him practice fully? Yeah, um, yeah. But he is talented, right? And that's the other part I was going to get to, Carp, is, man, Underwood's always on the transfer market. And I, I think they exhaust every resource. And that's what I love is this staff has a reach, right? And they have actual like several targets or several ways of adding talent uh, to this roster that we just hadn't seen uh, in previous years or that just wasn't balanced out in previous years. Yeah. And to that point, thinking back to the gross era and not to, you know, not to pile on here, but thinking about an Aaron Cosby, for example, and that when you got that transfer, you were kind of banking on him being pretty good. Right. And when that didn't happen, you had a significant hole in that rotation. So you are reaching a point now with the amount of depth that he's acquired and from all different levels. And this is what I think it's apples and oranges, but the reason that I think most Illini fans are higher on Underwood, apart from the success on the court compared to, let's say, Lovey is that he is coming at it from all angles. So it's not just the transfers. It's the fact that he's getting impact four-year guys that are not projects. They're ready to go. I mean, we're assuming that Andre Corbello is going to be ready to go from day one. I'd be surprised if he wasn't. So to have all these different um, pools from which he can recruit, you don't need to worry about roster building. You don't need to worry about, oh, in 2023, we're really going to be lacking that position. He seems to have a pretty good handle on the short and long term. And it's, it's a nice place to be as an Illini basketball fan because there's not that concern that if player X or player Y doesn't commit, then all of a sudden, uh-oh, yeah. we're in trouble. Yeah. And they should be successful, which should only help you sell yes. more, right? So that's, that's the good part of it as well. All right, Carp, I'll let you and the wife get back to uh, Champaign-Urbana safely here, but uh, always appreciate the time, man. We'll catch up next Monday. Absolutely. Always fun. After another Bears win, right? <laughs> well, you How know, do they win the this time? Bad. <laughs> they aren't bad, but I'm, I'm thinking that the defense is due for one of those four takeaway games. And when you got Phillip Rivers coming into town, they also a little bit of payback for the Chargers game last year because that was one of those that should have been. And I think the Bears will get it. Thank you, Carp. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. See you. All right. Great stuff as always from Michael Carpenter. We're going to do that hopefully every Monday here throughout the fall and maybe just every Monday as we go forward. Uh, but some good stuff on Jordan Nesbitt and his perspective on that, what he's looking forward to for Illinois football. And man, Bears fan, I, I just think there's no pressure right now. Carp always talks about the pressure on the fan and you're just kind of enjoying this run. Uh, you know, once they won a couple of those first games, you realize the Trevor Lawrence thing probably is going to happen. The Justin Fields thing isn't going to happen. So why not just have a fun season? And they're 3-0 and now. You can't take it away from them. I know these games have been nuts, and you can tip your cap and thank the opponents you've had for, for screwing up, but the Bears also took advantage of it, and they made some big plays when they needed to. So I, I think this team can make the playoffs. I think they're kind of a 
mediocre to above average team that's had a little bit of luck on its side. And as Bears fans, we've seen some years, including that 2001 season, uh, where they've done pretty well. I just realized I forgot to ask Carp about his Yankees going up against the Indians. As a White Sox fan, I'm actually glad we fell to the seven. So we get the Oakland A's, who have a bunch of lefties in their rotation. Great, great franchise, the Oakland A's. But I'm glad we didn't have to face the Yankees and that bullpen, plus Garrett Cole and plus Masahiro Tanaka. But I'm also glad we didn't have to play the Indians because the Indians pitching staff is just ridiculous and they own, they absolutely own the White Sox so far this season. All right, we always appreciate listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Training camp is in full swing here now, so we have plenty of coverage at Illini Enquirer on that. And, of course, Derek Piper, he dropped a nugget about Jordan Nesbitt today on the premium board. If you want to check that out as well, we will have that covered as Jordan Nesbitt is scheduled to make his announcements on Thursday. Always appreciate listening to the podcast. If you don't already, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast.